Welcome to Socially Powered Digital Marketing Show, the digital marketer's guide to emerging technology, covering blockchain, cryptocurrency, and social media disruption. Hey there, I'm Aaron Sell, your host of the show. This week, we will be discussing crypto, cancel culture, and the future of social media, plus NFTs with Joel Kahn. Joel is a New York Times bestselling author and co-host of a top-ranking crypto podcast, The Bad Crypto Podcast, which I happen to be the producer of. He has been a leading technologist, influencer, and social media marketing strategist, along with a futurist with over two decades of experience. He and his co-host, Travis Wright, also launched the Blockchain Heroes NFT Digital Collectible Series, which coincides with the Nifty Show. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Joel Kahn. Welcome, Joel Kahn, to the Socially Powered Digital Marketing Show. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you, Aaron Sell. You're actually here because we're recording in my place. This is true. So thank you for being here. Yes. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to let me interview you. Of course. I can't wait to hear what questions you have for me. So I think you're going to be disappointed in my first question. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You said not to ask this question, but... I didn't say not to ask the question. Well, you did give me some stipulations of what I can and cannot ask. Call my agent. I'm out of here. (laughs) So I I did put a little bit of a different spin on it. So my question for you, first question, is for you to tell us about your impressive background and how you got to where you are today in the crypto and blockchain industry, not social media, which is what most people recognize you for. Yeah. It's really weird because I've kind of disappeared from social and I don't know if I missed we, or not. We may talk about that a little bit later in okay. the show. I mean, it doesn't... I. I doesn't matter if I missed or not. I'm just, I wonder like if anybody out there is going, where's Joel? How come his pages are? are they dark? are. Where's, where's he been? What's going on? They are. I've um, actually been asked. Oh, you've been asked. Mm-hmm. Why are they asking you? They should ask I me. I don't know. They're asking me. That's weird. Where's Joel? Where's, <laughs> it's like Waldo. <laughs> uh-huh. Just look for the guy with the red and white striped suit and the, the beanie. Yeah. And that's where I'll be. Um, you know, it's really funny because I had heard about Bitcoin years ago. I want to say probably in the ballpark of 2012 or so, I had heard these rumblings about this Bitcoin thing, but I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. I was busy with other things in my life were a bigger priority, and it's unlike me to not pay attention to the cool new toys, but for whatever reason, I guess I wasn't ready. And it wasn't until 2017, really, late 2016, that I was talking about my friend Travis Wright, who, of course, is now the co-host for the Bad Crypto Podcast. And you know this because you produce the show. I sure do. You know it very well. <laughs> you hear more of us talking than anybody yes. has to hear because you hear all the stuff that hits the cutting room floor thanks to your uh, skills. Yes. But it was in late 2016 that conversation I was having with my friend Travis turned from politics to this cryptocurrency thing. And... 2017 rolls around and we're pretty much messaging each other back and forth every day. And I want to say in about March of that year, I really understood for the first time what 
mining was all about in the Bitcoin world. And once you understand mining, it's like the whole world opens up before you. And for somebody who was pioneering the web, because I built my first website in 1995, this blockchain revolution looked a lot like what had happened when I first built my first website. It just, it, it was like deja vu all over again, only 23 years later or so, whatever. And um, one day Travis sent me a message on Facebook Messenger and he kind of had the winky face he sends along when he's being sarcastic. And it said, when are we going to start the Joel and TW crypto show? Verbatim, that's what he said. And the moment he said that, I just instantly it landed in the deepest recesses of my soul. And I'm like, we have to do this. I'm calling you. And I did. I picked up the phone. I called him, said, here's the idea. This is what we do. And the name Bad Crypto came to me right away because there's another podcast that I had listened to for years called the Bad Christian Podcast. And, uh, you know, in, in um, the Christian and religious sectors, it's not uncommon for shows to feel very religious. And there are these three guys. Two of them were in a, a Christian rock band that was very popular. Another, another one of them was a pastor. And they would get on the show, and they called it bad Christian because they weren't your typical dogmatic Christians. I mean, they would curse, and they would talk about – they would at, ask questions. They wouldn't be afraid to dare to defy conventional wisdom – and still yet seek to serve God. And I loved it. It was a great show. And uh, there was something about how I envisioned Travis and I doing this show. Look, we really don't know much about crypto. We're pretty new to this space. But if you went and saw what other shows were out there, they were pretty much over people's heads. You know, Laura Shin was doing her show at that time, still is, Unchained. But it, it takes a more academic approach. To blockchain and we are not academics and we are not financial advisors and so we said let's call it bad crypto not because crypto is bad but because you know we're going to be clowns and we're going to joke around and tell fart jokes and bad dad jokes all you, kinds of bad dad yeah, jokes you can vouch for it <laughs> hey you laugh at them so at least some of them uh and we had the first episode out two days later and that's it i mean it, it was one of those happy accidents we didn't do it to become a voice in the crypto world. We did it to use our voices and to bring other people on a journey with us. But, you know, look what's happened. And uh, on one hand, it's very surprising to me because I didn't plan it. On the other hand, it's not because this is how my whole career has gone. Play with the cool new toys, begin to master them. Uh, become a voice in the space other people ask you how you did it and pretty soon you're getting paid to do you know to play with that toy that you were playing with right well so one of the things I will say is because I I wish I would have listened to you sooner because I didn't buy bitcoin for shoot I think it was maybe two years from when you started talking about it and I, I want to know what did you think when I, I thought you were crazy show? I did. I thought you were crazy. And that was all you talked about. Uh, but I will say that going back, I mean, I, I listened. I didn't, I, I guess I didn't listen to really learn. I just listened. Thinking back on that, I wish I would have, you know, paid a lot more attention. So I just want to mention that to the, to, uh, to the listeners, they do have a very, in my opinion, good grouping of podcasts that you can go listen to 
that help you understand the basics of crypto, and that's badco.in forward slash basics. And I'm, I can't remember how many episodes are in there. Like I think maybe- there's 10. I think there's 10 we put together, and some of them are dated in terms of you know, the pricing, you know, because right. we might be talking about Bitcoin being at, you know, 3000 or something. And, you know, today it hit 40,000 as, as of this recording. Of you know, if you want to time, I don't know when you're releasing this, but today when we're recording this is February 6th. Yes. 2021, in case you're like from a few years in the future and you're going back through Aaron's catalog of, uh, of stuff, or in case you're from the past looking towards the future. Then buy Bitcoin. Yeah, buy Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Apple, but especially Bitcoin. Yes. So my next question, and you've, you've kind of covered this a little bit, but what was the main driver that really sparked the initial interest? You said you heard about it before, but what actually, what got you to start diving in? Um, I think. You know, friends talking about it. You know, my friend Davin Michaels was the one that I encountered. I want to say it was actually April of 2017, now that I think about it, because there was a conference here in Denver um, that Ken MacArthur was putting on. Davin was there. We're old friends. We've known each other from the internet marketing realm for some time. And it was his discussion, the discussion we had there at that conference that finally just made me go, you know what, it's time for me to look under the hood here and see what's here. I was finally at a place where I was clear of other distractions and my curiosity was piqued. It was finally, I was just, you know, it was time. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a single, you know, thing that took place. I didn't just decide. It was like it presented itself and now it was clear to be curious and, um, and that's probably when I went to Travis because Travis had asked me about it in late 2016 and said, what do you think of this Bitcoin thing? And I, you know, it, that isn't that long ago. And now when I look at what my answer probably was back then, you know, um, I, I marvel at the fact that I wasn't in it sooner, but you know what? All things for a reason. I could have been one of those guys if I was in it in 2012 had a bunch of Bitcoin, it could have, I don't know, I don't think it would have ruined me, but I, I could have lost the hard drive, kind of like Travis did. He lost 55 Bitcoin. I could have um, fallen in with, you know, at the beginning there was people that got in trouble pretty early on because there was absolutely no regulation, right? And people did some things that, you know, Ross Ulbricht ended up in jail. Of course, he was running Silk Road. Charlie Shrem ended up in jail. Um, and you know, he didn't realize what he was getting into. And, um, so for whatever reason I didn't until I did. And then when I did, I really did. And I do. Yes. Yes, you definitely do. I did and I do. So this is a little off topic, but not really. And um, we're going back in your past a little bit. And it's that you literally wrote the book on Twitter Twitter power. Mm-hmm. Three, three editions. Three editions. And you've basically been at the forefront of social media. For the most part. For the most part. So the question is, what do you think about the current state of social media? And what do you, what shape do you see it taking in the future? 
Well, right now it's taking a uh, uh, tyranny George Orwellian 1984 shape. It's not a pretty shape. I mean, it's not even up for debate. Either There's two kinds of people in the world right now, those who see it and those who don't see it. And if you're the one who doesn't see it, I'm, you know, either go, hmm, I wonder what he's talking about and go research for yourself and find out what's really happening with Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, um, these tech giants and how they are censoring political speech and opinions that differ from what they want the narrative to be. Uh, if you have the, if you're not, if you don't believe me and you don't have the courage to do that, then uh, I suggest you go rewatch the matrix again, because you are a pod person and you're enjoying your nice juicy steak that isn't real. Um, but for those it, more and more people are waking up to it. Uh, I, I actually, at the beginning of this year, for the first time ever, I went dark on Twitter and Facebook. And for me, going dark meant setting my stuff back to, you know, you can't, can't follow me. Um, you know, you, and, um, if all my public posts on Facebook, I sent to friends only, and I literally set my profile photos and my back, my, um, cover shots to the color black. Just, I, I was, I wanted to go dark. I'm done. Now, am I done forever? I don't know, but I've been gone for a month as of today. Uh, and I don't miss it at all because it's become this cesspool of groupthink and cancel culture and social justice warriors and um, being politically correct and only to a degree that is harmful. It's, it's Soviet-style propaganda um, supported by one of our political parties, sometimes both of them, supported by the mainstream media. Uh, and I want nothing to do with it. I just, you know, I don't care if the truth is hard to swallow. I just want the truth, whatever the cost may be. And that's not what the social sites are there for anymore. It's a shame because that the initial intent was free speech. Give everyone a voice. No more. Now they're just being blatant about it. They are actively deplatforming and removing people from the platform they disagree with. And all you got to, I mean, if, if you don't know of any of the others, all you have to know is that they deplatformed Trump. They took, they silenced the voice of the president of the United States. It, that's it. Full stop. You're in the wrong period. I don't care what your reasoning is. You're in the wrong. You are on the side of evil. If you support that. And uh, you'll deserve what's coming to you as a result. Right. Does so that the, answer the question? It, it does. It does. And I want to add to that question. And that is that there are, I mean, there are a ton of alternative social media platforms. And I know, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, alt-right or hate speech or, you know, ultra-conservative, uh, some of them. My question is... Because there are so many of these other social media platforms coming out, do you foresee any one in particular stepping up and actually, you know, being able to take on some of the social media giants and, and be an actual competition? Or will they go the way of, say, Parler, where, you know, it appears anyway, I don't know if this is true or not, but it appears that you know, Amazon, Facebook, Twitter, 
to some extent, worked together to take Parler down. Oh, they did. They totally colluded. They violated RICO statutes, you know. Um, and, of course, nothing ever happens, you know, to, to uphold the law for the powerful, right? It's the, the small, worst subject. Rules for thee, but not for me. It's it's a thing, and it's become a thing in America, unfortunately. Um, <clears throat> first of all, taking on the giants, they're so big. They're so massive that I, I don't think we can look at it that way. I think what we need to do is look at alternative ways of communicating. You know, um, the Clubhouse, for example, is a really great example because it gets people talking again, actually having conversation. And uh, while I'm not involved in it right now because I just don't care to be, uh, part of the reason is in unplugging from social, I'm, I'm a little antisocial right now. I mean, honestly, I've thought about um, setting up a camera and lighting a copy of Twitter Power on fire, filming that video and using that as my cover photo because there won't be another Twitter Power. Twitter is is dead from its original intent. Um, so there are alternative sites, some of them traditional, you know, more Reddit-style sites. Uh, th this whole notion of alt-right you know, the alt-right and the, the KKK make up a handful of people. It's not a, a group of significance. But what the media and um, some political people have sur uh, succeeded in doing is convincing the masses that conservatives are alt-right. And it's just not true. It's like that if you're swallowing that, they're shoving down the, a huge horse pill of a lie down your throat. And some people swallow it willingly because they want to believe that's true. When the fact is, you've just got people that see how a political system and a government should run different from socialism and from what the Democrats have put out there, which is, is evil and destructive and is leading to the downfall of America. And most people just want to be left alone. We just want to be free to live our lives, to love our families, and to to work and produce and that's it but instead they throw all these labels out there of you know they they call it i've been called a nazi i'm jewish i've been called a nazi for voting for trump me which is it's crazy it's, it, it's, the the world we live in today is absolutely insane and, and it's we're surrounded by people whose brains have been washed they have been subject to messages lying messages so often and with such frequency that they don't even realize how duped they have been and they're they're hurting others around them and they're hurting themselves ultimately by opposing people who are freedom loving peaceful freedom loving people you're you're ending you're leading to your own imprisonment right because nobody's going to stand up for you if you push aside people that will fight for freedom there's nothing left. Guess what? Tyranny doesn't care that you voted for them willingly, gullibly, stupidly. They don't care. You're just a useful idiot to them. And you will be made an example of. And guess what? They won't be there for you. Right. This has gotten heavy. I know. <laughs> I wasn't expecting this. I mean, I, I knew I was putting it out there by having the conversation about social media and what has been happening in the world today. And the another question that I had for you was more along the lines of, uh, it's, again, all these alternative social platforms. And 
one of the the questions that I that I have is I see so many that are similar to let's just say Facebook. I see a lot that are similar to Facebook. I just I feel like if they would maybe come together and make one great thing versus all competing against each other, then maybe there is, you know, an alternative because I mean, me personally, Facebook has not been, it has not been my favorite place for a long time. And that's me saying that as a social media person. Right. Well, uh, you know, come together, you've got, there's money involved, there's businesses that, you know, they need to turn a profit and they need to pay employees and, and contractors and shareholders. And, um, I, I think that it's going to take a lot of money. And I mean, there's rumors out there that Trump is going to start a competitive social site. Can you imagine how quickly that thing would grow? Whether you, you know, support him or not, you surely, you must know that if half the country voted for somebody and they feel like their voices are being silenced elsewhere, that they will go in droves to this new site. And and those who chase them off the platforms in the first place and said, go start your own platform, well, when that platform is started, they will then call those people names and they'll try and get that platform shut down. That's how you know who the fa- who real fascists are. Right. Uh, those people on Twitter said, well, just go, go to parlor, go to parlor, go have your, your, your little hate groups over there, whatever the hell that meant. Cause it's certainly, that's not what we saw at all. And then they, um, conspired to shut it down. So you're not welcome here. Go over there and post your tweets, whatever. And that, oh, by the way, you can't over there either because we've colluded illegally to shut down your site so now you have no voice suck it how do you feel about that Mm, not good you know what Uh, everybody i know on the right and clearly i am on the right and in the right (laughs) (laughs) believes in free speech you are entitled to say whatever you want to say it's first amendment and and i could think you're the biggest moron on the face of the earth but I will support your right to out yourself as the biggest moron on the face of the earth because that's what free speech is. Real fascists will not allow speech they disagree with. They will seek to silence and shut it down. So all you got to do is look who's, who's doing that without excuses, without trying to put it through your own political lens, and you'll know who the baddies are. Yes, I agree. Um, you didn't always, though. No, this this is true. I didn't always. Of all the alternative social media platforms, do you have? I hate to I hate to play favorites, but do you have favorites that you are currently using that you think may have potential for the future? Okay, when you say potential for the future, I don't think to that that means to replace. Not necessarily know, replace. Anything. I'm saying. That they'll continue to grow and yeah. be successful. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of them that I write for um, is voice.com. And uh, they paid like $25 million for this domain. It is a blockchain-based social media site. It's kind of like a, a, a more free speech medium.com, right? Medium still, they can, if they wanted to edit stuff or kick you off their platform they can i'm not saying that voice can't but so far it's been a very friendly platform and you earn cryptocurrency for 
your content. See, for me, sites like this that value uh, the individual and their content and allow them to own their content, monetize their content, uh, and not censor their content, that's what, that's what free speech really is about. Uh, and so Voices is uh, definitely one of the leading ones right now. There's a lot of smaller ones that have found a small community, but they've not been wildly successful. We're still waiting for that one to come along, and it's going to happen. It's not a question of if. It is a question of when, uh, and I've not yet seen that one in the blockchain world that is poised to be that one. But if Clubhouse, the, the uh, social audio app, now that's what they're calling it, social audio, uh, is any indication, and if TikTok is any indication, things can change very quickly. Things can, can uh, people can jump ship and go to a new platform because they find new benefit to it that the existing platforms don't offer. And so with those types of migrations taking place and in real conversations becoming a thing again, again, thanks to Clubhouse, uh, I think that we're going to see some more surprises this year, right, in 2021. My predictions aren't always spot on, but um, I get pretty close. So I'm going to say that the fields are ripe for something to um, spring up this year that will shake the the ground for social media. I'm just wondering if, you know, Clubhouse is going to sell out to Mark Zuckerberg. That would screw everything up. Yes. Uh, I, it's funny because I, you know, I hesitated downloading Clubhouse, and I think I've realized why that is partially is I've, I finally succumbed and I, I downloaded it. And then for some really dumb reason, I had notifications on and I was getting pinged every two seconds that somebody was live. And every time I go on there, I it just, it feels, it feels to me like Twitter, but everybody's verbally talking instead of, writing okay, it's just so too much i just launched it right now i don't know who felicia horowitz is but felicia's virtual dinner party is going on now and in that room is terry cruz van jones mc hammer and mark andreessen and a bunch of other people there's a total of five thousand people in this room right now but you know it's like this is attracting uh, some some big names in here that are using it, and I think especially in the era of COVID, people are desperate for connection, and Clubhouse came along and is providing that, and which is why it's just ironic to me that I have little interest in it, and I think it's just part of this antisocial phase I'm going through. That that, and I'm so busy with you know the shows that we're doing because it's more than just bad crypto it's also the nifty show and and the subset of cryptocurrency that you know has really made my heart come alive you know non-fungible tokens nfts digital collectibles i spend so much time in that space we're creating our own products and trading cards and memberships and working with other um you know teams to develop stuff for them that i, I just don't have time for traditional social media and it's not even time it's i just don't have the desire 
to participate. It'll go on without me just fine, right? It's not like, oh, something's missing from the social media world. No. Everybody that, that's at that party, they're having a great time doing what they're doing. And if and when I decide to re-engage on Twitter or Facebook or start using Clubhouse, uh, there's already 2,000 people following me. Like, I guess if I started something, maybe something would, I, I don't know. You never know. But that desire is not there right now. Well, I got when, the time, when the time comes. Yeah. Well, so there, there, I, there's a lesson here. And, and I don't want people to miss this is that it's very easy to FOMO on the platforms that everybody's going to, right? Last year it was TikTok. And I played with TikTok a little bit. I was using TikTok before it was TikTok. It was Musical.ly. I've got videos going back, I don't know, five, six years ago that are on there still on that account. But everybody's like, oh, TikTok's the place to be. This is where, And I just didn't want to do it. I understand that the amount of energy it takes to be creative on TikTok and produce compelling content, and I just didn't want to do it. So I haven't. Can I? Yeah. But just because some, something is hot doesn't mean you have to be there. If I'm going to do it just because people say you should do it, my heart's not going to be in it. My content's not going to be great. Same thing with Clubhouse. I know full well. I've been on there since September. I got on real early. Um, and now there's a huge wave and I see on, you know, my friends list, all of these people that I know are joining and it'd be very easy to go. I'm missing opportunity right now. Okay. I'm fine with that because I'm, there's an opportunity cost and that cost is throwing myself into something that my heart's not really in right now and pulling myself away from something that my heart is in. So the, you know, there's always going to be something new and the world's going to turn, you know, with or without you. In fact, one day when we're back to dust again, guess what? The world keeps turning without us just fine for those that are still walking the planet. So I don't have that FOMO anymore that's going to drive me to do something I don't want to do. And I would just tell anybody listening to this that you don't have to either. Do what you want to do. Spend your time invest it in what you're passionate about and you'll have much better results with that and the rest of the world will turn just fine without you excellent there's a couple things that what you just said made me think of and that is first of all I feel like it's exhausting to try and be everything on every platform and it's one of the things that I definitely tell the audience and anytime I speak you know or do a training or anything like that I tell people you know be on the platforms that make sense to you, that you like, that make you happy. There's no point wasting your time on the places that that don't. No, if there's no joy, then why? That that lack of joy is just going to come through in your dry, you know, posts and pictures right. and yep. things that you're not really into. Who cares? So the other thing that it, it we, I know, had talked about at some point was how Blab kind of missed its mark and I wish that there was a way that Clubhouse could pick up where Blab left off with the video aspect and maybe it will happen down the road that it's a you can turn it on or off type of feature maybe uh, you know right now I, what I'm seeing from it is it is a live podcasting platform it's a town hall meeting platform mm -hmm. And, and that's great. It doesn't have, you know, Blab was then. There's been other sites that have shown up, and I can't remember the name of them right offhand, uh, Get Vocal. That was one of them. 
Oh, right. Simulated a lot of the same type of um, aspects of blab, but for whatever reason, people didn't migrate to it. I don't know if it's because they were burned out or just burned by the fact that blab just pulled the plug on us, like literally overnight. Um, You know, you can't replicate a moment in time. We try, but it's never the same thing. And people move on. You know, we made friendships. We had experiences. We just had a, um, a Cliff Bodenweiser and a Bruce Himmelblau just did a Blab reunion, a five-year reunion. Right. I can't uh, believe it's been five years. That's yeah. crazy. And it was a lot of fun. It was great to see everybody. But between you and I, I, I was that was it. I was good. I didn't want to jump back in and start doing them again. Right. Uh, you know, there's enough technology out there that if I wanted to do that, I could. In fact, I don't even do my own podcast anymore. You know, we're sitting here uh, in my studio, and I've got this great, you know, setup here with microphones and headphones and a great road recorder, and I don't even do the Joel Com show anymore because there's no passion behind it. The passion is behind Bad Crypto and the Nifties, NFTs. That's that's what I want to do. Which was the next thing I wanted to talk to you about was was NFTs. Um, So tell people what NFTs are. And I'd I'd really like to, I mean, I'd like for you to share some of the, I, I guess, just some of the crazy opportunities there and the different companies that have jumped in mm-hmm. and and where you see those headed it, it's a uh, a name that on uh, on its face people go a uh, non-fungible what uh, what are you talking about nft stands for non-fungible token and for those who don't know what something it whether something is fungible or not it's a fun word to say <laughs> um once you get past this you'll go ah I get it. Okay, so if something is fungible, every unit of it is treated the same. So, for example, a dollar bill in your wallet. You could have 10 of them. Remember remember paper money? <laughs> so let's say you had 10 $1 bills, and I say, hand me a dollar. You pull one out, you hand it to me. And I say, no, not that one. I want the other one. It's crisper. It's cleaner. Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, maybe that's something that's different about it, but that dollar bill is a dollar bill. They're all They're all the same. They're all treated the same um so that's something that's fungible each unit uh, a bitcoin is fungible there's 21 million bitcoin ever and if if i say all right i'm going to send you a bitcoin you're not going to go which one it a bitcoin is a bitcoin it's fungible something that's non-fungible each unit is unique um in a non-currency format for example i like to use the example of um of a concert remember going to concerts I, I do. I, I used them. to go to a lot of them. I know. <laughs> you'd, you'd buy tickets, and those tickets would be for a very specific seat. We could both have tickets to go see the Eagles, you know, reunion concert, but my tickets might be in the front row and yours might be in the nosebleed. They're both tickets for the same show, but they're totally different. A house, same type of idea. You could say, hey, I bought a house in Denver. Well, not just any house, that house and at that address. It's very specific. They're not interchangeable with other houses. So when we talk about non-fungible tokens in the digital collectible space, we're talking about original, we're talking about pieces of uh, uh, ones and zeros, something in a digital format. Um, And a lot of times that takes uh, the form of art, 
takes the form of video, it takes the form of music, or it takes the form of digital collectibles. Uh, trading cards, for example, this is where we really have gone down the rabbit hole and mastered this arena. Uh, all of us have collected something. A lot of us collected baseball cards. A lot of us collected Star Wars cards, wacky packages, garbage pail kids cards, right? Everybody can relate to something. For my kids, uh, when they were little, um, my daughter collected Neopets. That was the little character cards with these, you know, Pokemon-like characters on them. You know, Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, or anyway, they, all these cards. And you would buy a pack of cards, you'd open them up, and in that little package, a little stick of gum would fall out. Sometimes it'd be broken. That would be sad. Sometimes it was an old pack and it was stale. <laughs> but that somehow made it more interesting and romantic mm. because it was old. Um, and then you'd look at your cards and, and you own those cards. They were yours. But here's the thing. In that old world, you don't know how many copies of those cards there were. And if you didn't take pristine care of those cards, they would degrade in their condition and they would become worth less and less to a secondary collector. Or, as the case is in, in my world, you could be at school one day and your mother could throw out two grocery bags full of baseball cards, never to be retrieved. Well, the Internet and blockchain have solved this problem and enhanced, improved on collectibles in a way that uh, there's so many aspects to it that are amazing. For example... As an artist, you could paint a picture and somebody, you can number that picture and say, hey, this is number one, you know, 15 of 100. And they number it and they sign it and they give you a little paper uh, certificate of authenticity. Like, this is mine. I own it. Well, on blockchain, not only can they create a piece of art, but it can be animated. It could have sound with it. You could have video. It could, it could be static as well. But your certificate of authenticity and what makes it a non-fungible token is it's on the blockchain. So now, all I have to do is be holding that piece of digital art, that NFT, in my cryptocurrency wallet that's on blockchain, and I have all the proof I need that I own it. And let's say you want to buy it from me. I can sell it to you for a cryptocurrency and make a transaction that takes place without a intermediary, without a third party. Blockchain serves as that trusted third party and it's unhackable and it's unalterable. And it's it, there's no argument about whether or not a transaction took place. And the crypto comes to me, the NFT goes to your wallet, now you own it and you have proof of that. So looping back to the, the trading cards um, in the summer of... 2020 tops was the first one that we saw really do this well and they um they brought back garbage pail kids from 1985 which i was a collector of adam bomb nasty nick right all of these these classics from their first edition they released them you bought packs of cards five cards or 25 cards in packs you'd open them up and there were all these classic characters. But unlike the originals, not only were some the common variations static, but you would find animated versions of these cards that you could view on your phone or on your computer. And they bought, uh, let's see, people bought out the entire collection of, I think it was 125,000 cards in the first set in just a little more than a day. And... 
the like if you wanted to buy a pack that retailed for five dollars when they sold out today, it would cost you seventy five dollars minimum to get that same pack. Uh, wow, I hadn't looked in a while. I didn't realize they'd gone up that much. Yeah, and the mega packs, the twenty five card packs, are five hundred dollars. Wow. And there's very few of them left. They're true limited digital scarcity collectibles. There's only so many. And you know exactly which wallets are holding which cards because the blockchain is a very public ledger. We were inspired by that. We created our own set of digital collectible trading cards called Blockchain Heroes, which were in Series 1, 50 superheroes inspired by real-world blockchain and crypto personalities. And we sold out the entire collection, about the same size as, as the first Garbage Pail Kids set, in about 20 minutes, super fast. And uh, now since then, we've uh, put a second series out with new heroes and villains. One of them might be resembled by the, a producer of um, a said crypto show and her trusty sidekick. We may just put a picture yeah. On the Amp on the website. Amp and Subwoofer. I think you should. And, uh, and Travis and I have come up with other products. We've come up with the, the first subscription box membership on blockchain where people are getting NFTs delivered, I would say, direct to their doorstep, right? Because that's how subscription boxes work. But instead of coming once a month, you get NFTs delivered into your wallet throughout the month. And uh, we're working with other projects that are already successful projects that want to bring their intellectual property to digital collectibles and we're working with them to do that this is going to be a huge space you know part of the question you asked me i feel like a half hour ago because i'm talking so much is what is the opportunity on the technology bell curve you always have your pioneers first and that's like the less than 1% of people that are there at the very beginning. Then you have your early adopters. That's like your, you know, your 2 to, to 6, 8, 10% of people. And then the masses come, right? We are just at the beginning of early adoption right now. It's, it's still very early. And this is not investment advice at all. I'm just saying we are in a nascent industry that is going to become wildly insanely popular you're going to see more and more brands uh you know we nba now does their own set called nba top shot today in in a matter of minutes they sold 2.6 million dollars worth of digital collectibles um, atari the the classic video game maker has done digital collectibles dead mouse the international dj musician has done them capcom is getting ready to come out with street fighter versions from the classic video game and there's more this is really just the beginning and um, I encourage everybody who's listening to go down this rabbit hole because not only is it fascinating about where technology is leading us but for me it brings back the the same joy I had as a young you know as a little boy and as a teenager collecting Star Wars cards because I, I collect too you know, you've seen, I buy this stuff. I'm, I'm a collector and I love producing things that brings joy to other people to collect. It's so fun to see people's reaction and faces when they open up a pack of cards and they get something super cool. I get more excited to see somebody getting super cool, something super cool 
from a collection we manufactured and created than opening up something super cool for myself. No joke. Way more interesting. Yeah. So in closing, my my last question for you is you and Travis work with a lot of blockchain and you know, NFT and, and tech companies. Mm-hmm. What is the number one piece of advice or what do you see that they're missing most often? Marketing. Marketing. I mean, it's, it's, it, I could elaborate on it, but I think it says it all. It just means that they're not doing a good job of getting the message out there in, in a way that their audience understands what's taking place. Because we're at the beginning of this, it takes some education. You know, if you'll imagine the, um, the first credit cards that came out, they didn't need to be explained to people how they worked. They were just taught, take this thing, give it to the grocer, they'll swipe it through this little reader, and we'll bill you later. If, if we had to understand how it worked in order to use it, then most of us wouldn't have used it. Right. Well, it's like that in a lot of aspects for digital collectibles still. It's getting easier. There's more on-ramps where you can pay with, you know, your dollars or your euros, but we're still in the early phase where the technology is being developed to facilitate easy onboarding, and that's what we're all about. We're about helping to create um, tools and experiences that make it easy for the public to embrace and consume digital collectibles because we want more people, you know, having the same experience that we're having and enjoying this. We feel like most of the world is missing it right now. They're not going to, there will come a day that an entire generation will know nothing but digital collectibles. It will be assumed that every one of their, you know, their idols, the, um, the bands that they follow, the, uh, the, the actors and musicians, the TV shows, um, the, the brands that they admire will all be using digital collectibles. I'm actually really excited for that day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, you know, what's, what's one of your favorite brands? Well, you know, I have so many, but um, Mumford & Sons. Okay, so band, Mumford. I mean, if yeah. Mumford released a set of digital trading cards, imagine this, that you're able to go to a concert Okay, first of all, that you buy tickets for the show and you walk into the, um, the arena and you go into your phone and your phone knows you're there because you have the ticket right. and your geofencing says, hey, I'm in this space and a pack of trading cards with your ticket drops to your phone that you can open up right there. And there's photos and there's these limited collectibles just for that particular concert that you're at uh, you know you might get lucky and get a um, a video card of Mumford you know Marcus personally greeting you to uh, to the event video clips audio clips animations fun th- things that could be redeemable for a free t-shirt right that's I coming. mean yeah and you think about it I mean I have been going through things and found a whole bunch of old ticket stubs that they're, they're basically worthless I mean I guess somebody may pay for them on eBay. Well, they will, because I've sold them on eBay. Yeah, yeah. But to me, it's like, yeah, there's that memory that goes with it, but how much cooler would it be if it was already connected to me and they're not to be, like you said, like it can't can't get 
you know, a beer spilled on it at a concert or crumpled in your pocket because it's on your phone. So it can't get ruined. It's coming soon. Well, to, uh, to I personally can't wait. Your, yeah. <laughs> so, Joel, tell us what is the best way to connect with you? I'm feeling antisocial right now. Don't. Okay, no, no, I know. <laughs> I mean, maybe tell tell our audience to listen to the Bad Crypto podcast. Or? Yeah, what what she said. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bad Crypto. If you want to learn about cryptocurrency and blockchain in a way that's not intimidating, um, and that will make you smile. And if uh, what I've been talking about here with digital collectibles and NFTs interests you, we do the Nifty Show. Uh, every Friday, it's a video show, whereas Bad Crypto is an audio podcast. Nifty Show is live every Friday at 5 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Pacific at nifty.show forward slash YouTube. And uh, you can find us there. Also, all the replays of the show are there. And I do make an audio version of the podcast available. So you can just go to iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever, you know, you shove podcasts in your ear holes and you could just look up the Nifty Show. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Joel. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I just wanted to remind you to be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on our latest episodes. If you are enjoying the show, we would sure love a review on your favorite podcast player. Be sure to connect with us on all your favorite social media platforms You can find us on all the socials at Socially Powered, sharing tips, tricks, and the latest episodes on all things social, crypto, and blockchain related. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Have a great day.